Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs Program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday at 12 noon on the dot uh, to promote and to defend public education. We have a website if you want to check up on us. We put up a press release most weeks, and this week we have the press release 729, which will go up hopefully uh, in the next day or two www.adogs.info And this is press release 729. Dogs' anti-state aid position enters the mainstream. Listeners, we are very, very puzzled. In the last few weeks, we have come to the conclusion that we are in great danger. The dogs, the Defence of Government Schools, are becoming respectable. I don't think we're yet ready for the ABC, So thanks to 3CR, we can still put our message across. But we're in danger of becoming in the mainstream. Now, why do I say this? Recent reports in the mainstream media, most particularly the Fairfax papers, indicate that a worm is turning in the Australian political psyche. The dog's anti-state aid position is coming in from the cold. Why? Well, I've tried to identify a number of reasons. Here are my reasons. And I think Robert would agree with me and some of the other dogs people too. First of all, there's been excellent work on funding figures which have been done by Trevor Cobald and Chris Bonner from the Save Our Schools. And in our press release, we give you uh, places where you can go on the internet to check that out. Now, this work, listeners, was done... Uh, in previous times by Ray Nielsen and we tried to put it up on our website and we even over the years put full page advertisements with the facts and figures about what was happening to state aid in the newspapers but there was a blanket of silence placed on us. However, Trevor Cobald and Chris Bonner uh, have managed to get their facts and figures through to the mainstream media and all power to their calculations. Secondly, there's been an exposure by educators and the Fairfax Papers and The Guardian of the outrageous diversion of public funds from the poor to the wealthy, particularly by the Catholic school school, church clerics and bureaucrats. Now, the dogs have been uh, doing this since 1969, but it's now coming, these facts and figures are now coming very much into the mainstream. Thirdly, there's been the findings of the Victorian and the Federal Auditors-General concerning the misapplication of public funds by the Catholic bureaucracies themselves. And fourthly, there's the findings of the Commission of Inquiry into child sexual abuse. I'd like to say that I find this extraordinary because in those days when the dogs were being hammered and people were telling us that we were anti-sectarian and oh, calling us for everything that was possible to call anybody, uh, we were questioning what was happening in particularly the Catholic schools of Victoria and we were just being moralised at. And these people who were moralising at us, the clerics and the others about how important it was to have values taught in their schools, uh, they were doing quite horrendous things to children. 
And these are the schools where horrendous things were happening that were taking millions and millions of dollars of public money. As well as all of that, you have, fifthly, the actual results that are coming in from international tests and the MAPLAN tests. And they indicate that Australia is falling behind in the international educational race. But most importantly, perhaps, is the very simple fact that the threat of the Catholic vote, which was always tied to the vote of the insecure aspirational class, has dissipated. The aspirational and even wealthy parents have looked at the evidence and realised that private is not, never was and never could be better than public. For the private system has always been parasitic on the public system and if you build the one up at the expense of the other, the nation's children, its economy, its social harmony and its international status will be placed in jeopardy. And so you have Elizabeth Farelli from the Sydney Morning Herald on the 8th of December writing what would never have been printed except perhaps on the DOGS website 10 years ago. And even then, DOGS would never actually have gone as far as she has and banned private schools. We would only demand that they be genuinely independent. So this is what Elizabeth Farelli said on the 8th of December. If I had one wish for Australia, it would be this. Ban private schools. The Turnbull government has been caught hiding funding figures for Catholic schools, but it beats me why such funding even exists, she says. Indeed, it beats me why private schools exist, why they're even legal. More wealthy parents are looking past private schooling for their children. Private schools don't necessarily produce bad people, although it's true that, as a 2013 Crikey survey found, most cabinet ministers attended them. Private schools are just very, very bad for the country. Public money is our money. It's there to fund stuff in which we all believe and from which we all benefit. Stuff that makes Australia fairer, more creative, more harmonious, more successful. We're across it. And that's why Peter Fitzsimmons' petition against Gladys Berejiklian's $2 billion stadium rebuild, this is from Sydney, of course, gathered 150,000 signatures inside a week. We are tired of taxpayer dollars being lavished on sports big business while community sport withers on the vine, wrote Fitzsimmons, and everyone agrees with him. Yet, when it's schools withering, we're fine. Every year we pour $53 billion into a system that can only divide us, with a quarter of it, $12.7 billion going straight to educational big business. And for what? What does it buy, this immense spend? It buys a system that deliberately tribalises children before they can read, that has parents selling their houses for school fees, stressing about homework and entry exams and increasingly investing in private tutoring for four-year-olds. Yet for all that effort and angst, it's a system that leaves us less well-educated with each passing year. Increasingly, education seems like happiness, despite or because of a vast global industry devoted to generating angst. The harder that we try, the more elusive it becomes. For every private school student, the burden decrement on the public system is fairly small, but the personal advantage is immense. Three arguments, therefore, are usually advanced for private schools. The first one is choice. Parents should be free to choose expensive or religious education for their kids if they wish. Two is quality. Private schools offer better education and regardless of politics, the kids' interests should prevail. And thirdly, the burden. 
Private schools, far from siphoning wealth from the public system, lightens its load. But none of these arguments stack up, if they ever did. Take choice. Choice relies on comparison, product to product. But education is not shampoo. You can't try a school for a few weeks or years and know that how your kid tracks is a direct result or how things might have been different elsewhere. So comparison is illusory. Indeed, a new paper suggests that the focus on choice and competition may itself be distracting us from the content and purpose of education in favour of its trappings, which goes directly to the quality argument. Many parents send their kids to private schools even when they don't approve because they think the education is better and there's at least a modicum of discipline. And yes, private schools are more able to impose order and sack teachers for non-performance. They can sack children too, of course. But given that these students are already more biddable and more literate, it's impossible to prove any net educational benefit. Three years ago, David Gillespie, who's the author of Free Schools, argued persuasively that once you correct for socioeconomic advantage, even the most expensive schools add nothing to educational outcome. And this may be one reason why more wealthy parents are choosing to put their kids in the public school system. Across the board, though, quality is low and falling, with consistently dropping international test scores in maths and science. Even a recent and welcome improvement in reading, mainly because girls love books, still takes us only to about the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development's average. We could do better. We're 39th out of 41, apparently, in the latest OECD uh, evaluation of the the, uh, wealthier countries. That leads immediately to the idea of the burden. Does anyone suggest sports big money dudes, the sponsors and gravy trainers, the owners and the big bucks players are taking the burden off the public sports system? No, they're creaming off talent, quarantining it from public access for vast private profit and getting a public leg up on the way. This is so wrong on so many levels. What's weird is that we can see it with sport, but with schooling where the bill is six times the size and annual, we're blind. But honestly, burden? According to the ABC, almost a quarter of the 53 billion funding of schools, 12.7 billion goes to private schools, which educate roughly a third or 34% of populace. So each private school student sucks almost two-thirds as much as each public one. Before the benefit of their 30,000 in fees... In other words, for every private school student, the burden decrement on the public system is fairly small, but again, the personal advantage is immense. And this is manifestly unfair. Private schools heighten inequality, privileging the privileged, hogging the teaching talent and siphoning off kids already equipped with reading backgrounds, so depriving the public system of beneficial peer-to-peer learning. And that's not all. Tribalising children before they outgrow the booster seat can only encourage class-based and religious sectarianism. Friendly rivalry is one thing, but you can't allow a lovely school like Loretto Normanhurst without also allowing schools that demand your mother's birth certificate or preach against infidels. This can only bring hatred. But the best argument against private schools is productivity. Squabble all you like about divvying up the pie, but far more useful and more fun is growing it. Technically, yes, education is a burden, but as an appreciating asset, it's more house than car, an investment. Forty years ago, Finland stunned the world by nationalising schools, revering teachers, ending streaming, entering school late, shrinking the school day, reducing homework and extending holidays, and then topping 
every test. Lately, its schools might have slipped a little, mainly due to global financial crisis-driven reductions. But its schools are still up there, and in an extraordinary turn-up, Dr. Parsi Salberg, who as Minister designed the Finnish system, is going to move to Sydney next year to teach. Maybe we can persuade him to fix our schools, putting all schools up there with Grandma, say, or Loretto. If he needs more than Gladys's stadium money, we could give him West Connex as well. This is written for the Sydney audience, obviously. Wouldn't that be great? Down here in Melbourne, we can give him the Western and the Eastern Ring Road, I suppose. Save the parks, clean the air, grow the future, win, win, win. So that is what this lady in Sydney, in the Fairfax Press, was uh, quite happy to write. And she's gone further than the dogs would have gone. And I congratulate her. Now, Robert has made a number of promises to you which he's going to fulfil in this... um That's right, Jean. Absolutely. Um, I promised you last week, dear listeners, that we'd talk about this whole Gonski 2.0 thing in some detail because there's claims flying around the education sphere all over the place, how it's unfair for Catholic schools, unfair for independent schools, and we're the people, of course, who have to stick up for the state schools because no minister's interested in that. So um, we have to have to delve deep into this, won't take too long um, to disguise what's going on with the Gonski 2.0 but we'll do that of course after a little bit of music Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State schools are great. Harkaway Primary School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a, a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words that is actually... So, so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses, refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a positive great relationships with each other, with teachers, and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast, and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 94198377. State schools are great schools. Great state schools. I've been moved by the wind upon the waters and the shadows as the leaves When that old wind moans
From the fury of the storm, that old parched ground is reborn, and the desert's blooms its satisfied king. of an inland dusk. Oh, when a close friend died, I turned away and cried as they laid him down and shoveled in the dust. Thank you. Yeah, welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR, 855 on AM Dole. That was Kev Carmody with I've Been Moved. Um, yeah, I've been moved to help out our poor dear listeners work out what's going on with the Gonski 2.0 funding. Um, Gonski 2.0, it's a big thing. Everyone's saying they're not getting enough, except for the state schools, who are actually the ones that aren't getting enough, and so we're here to say it for them. Um, as many of our listeners will know, there's three education systems in, in, in Australia. There's the so-called independent systems, which are dependent upon the government, so that's the wrong name. Um, then there's a the Catholic uh, school system, which is literally a system, so it is the right name. It's um, an internal Catholic bureaucracy, which distributes funds to all the Catholic schools around Australia, um, controlled indeed by the Catholic Church. And then, of course, there's the state school system, which is accountable to the taxpayer directly which provides education which is free, universal, secular, um, to all of Australia. So these three systems compete with funds from the federal and state governments and there's been a shake-up by the Federal Education Minister who wants to change things around a bit. Now, who gets what is the question whenever it comes to the pie. Birmingham's pulled out this new pie, all this money, billions of dollars for each of the three sectors and everyone's jostling for position. In fact, up in Benelong, in the by-election that's happening today, um, the Catholic school system has sent a letter to all their Catholic schools' parents saying, hmm, coalition government's not doing the right thing by us. When you vote, um, when you vote, make sure that you vote to support the Catholic Church because those Liberal people in Birmingham in particular don't necessarily have the Catholic Church's interests at heart. Now, that, this might actually surprise a lot of people who would have assumed at some point that Australia has separation between religion and state. Um, that's just not true. Um, the Catholic Church does lobby for various political parties at most elections, and at this election up in Benelong, they're lobbying against the Birmingham government and the Labor, Labor Federal Labor government, Plymouth in particular, remaining very quiet and stumm, um, implying, of course, that they do want to fund the Catholic school system to the way that they are accustomed. So let's just have a look at what's going on. Uh, Birmingham's got this new system. Before I describe exactly what the new system is, I just talk about the fallout because there's a lot of silliness going on um, and a lot of silliness has been covered as I said last week by a particular reporter for the Fairfax media called Henrietta Cook who was the education writer many years ago and she's come back and she's reported that what's happening is that many non-government schools are actually being shortchanged by vast sums but they're not being shortchanged by the government they're being shortchanged by their own churches. How can this be? Well, it works like this. The Catholic schools and other non-government school systems are shortchanging some of their neediest schools by, in many cases, per school, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, and this has been found out by a federal audit report. For example, just for example, one struggling Lutheran school, because the Lutherans get the money from the government, put it into a central Lutheran church authority, and then from that authority they distribute it to the various Lutheran schools around Australia. So they have their own separate bureaucracy. You would think that if money is allocated by the government to a particular school, that's the school to which it would go. That is not true in Australia. It hasn't been true for decades, Jean will tell you, and she's right. It hasn't been true in the Catholic system since, since whenever, and now the Lutherans are in on this scam as well. So one struggling Lutheran school... Uh, which was allocated a certain amount of money, was missed out. Um, wasn't actually given $1.2 million of that money by, by the Lutheran school system. So money was allocated and they missed out on $1.2 million. The government funds to many non-government schools directly 
which are part of various religious networks, such as a Catholic network or a Lutheran network, receive money in a lump sum delivered to the network central authority. Now, this isn't something that's often known or we talk about very often, but it's always been true. Now, the National, Australian National Audit Office found that those central authorities, those church-based authorities, they're not, they're not secular authorities, they're religious authorities, were redistributing the federal funding as they saw fit. They sent the money where they wanted it to go. And they shortchanged some schools and actually boosted the funding to others. So, for example, St John's Lutheran Primary School in Jindera in New South Wales received only 28% of its funding that it was allocated. They received around about $450,000 instead of $1.7 million. In Victoria, the disadvantaged St. Patrick's School in, in St. Anard was meant to receive $1.23 million, but instead received a bit over 700000 from the Victorian Catholic Education Commission. Conversely, some disadvantaged schools received significantly more funding than they were allocated. So the Cathedral College at Wangaratta was allocated $4.6 million, but it received 89 The question is, do they spend the uh, money that's given for direct grants for recurrent expenditure on capital expenditure elsewhere? And how much is going into the bureaucracy itself? The Auditor-General's doing work on this and he's not at all happy, and certainly not happy with the Education Department in Canberra, uh, that can't do anything because it doesn't have the money to do it. Um, It's uh, very interesting what he has to say. Notwithstanding the discretion provided to system authorities, departmental monitoring of these resourcing decisions should help to ensure that funding is being allocated in line with government policy and agreed arrangement and that that funding is distributed through a needs-based funding agreement. But the analysis of data obtained through routine monitoring should also inform ongoing policy development and refinement. But the department has advised that in a commitment to reduce the regulatory burden, it has not undertaken a comprehensive review of needs-based funding arrangements. Well, in 2008, the DOGS established that once in every 50 years, every school, every private school in Australia was monitored by the Education Department in Canberra. Of course, there's been no proper monitoring of what's been happening because these systemic schools are protected from any uh, regulatory burden by the bureaucracies. And we hear so much about the centralised bureaucracy of the public system, don't we? But it is the private system that has private bureaucracies which prevent the public bureaucracies from finding out what is really going on with public money. It's actually a national scandal. It is indeed, Jane. Um, now, just bear in mind that we are talking about what Gonski 2.0 is all about, so we're laying the groundwork here, and Jean's quite right to point out that the National Audit Office was very grumpy. Now, the Federal Education Minister, Simon Birmingham, said that this report from the National Audit Office reinforced the need for the Turnbull government to actually overhaul the system. He says, and I quote, Despite calls for the state education authorities to reduce regulatory burden on accountability for Commonwealth funding, it's clear strong oversight is needed. He said taxpayers must have the confidence their investment in education is being used effectively and appropriately. However, in reply, the National Catholic Education Commission Director Christina Zara said, and this is her reason for this, that the current funding model did not properly assess need. She she said state and territory Catholic systems had their own redistribution models, thank you very much, which assessed local needs with input from the local school community. She says this is a much better way of assessing the local need of schools than relying on a formula that many people accept has serious flaws and is based on averages rather than reality. Right, so she's saying you're giving us the money the wrong way. She's not saying change the model. She's saying oh, well, just give it to us anyway and we'll sort it out from there. Now Birmingham all along the line has said you can keep doing that so just be quiet. You can keep doing that so just be quiet. But no, no, that's not what they've done. They stepped into Benelong and they've written to all the Catholic school parents saying, oh, you better make sure this Birmingham knows what he's doing. Maybe you shouldn't vote for the Liberal Party. 
Because for those people who think the Catholic Church is in line with one particular political party, Liberal or Labor, you've got to be kidding yourselves. They'll always go with the winner because they know they'll they always go with the power. They try to pick the winner, but they might be wrong this time. Now, it's worth pointing out that this whole issue about centralised um, religious bureaucracies distributing, redistributing funds as they see fit does not apply to the independent school sectors. They get the money that's given from the government directly and then they go and spend it. Um, so Scots College doesn't have to worry about this and neither does MLC. But that's the basis of it. That's the basis of one of the problems. Now, there's all sorts of rumblings and mutterings going on at the moment. And one thing that's happening is that the... <coughs> The parents of Victoria are actually getting jack of it. This has now come out as a piece of information that the parents of Victoria are sick of because Catholic school parents in Victoria have been hit with large tuition fee rises after their schools were stripped of hundreds of thousands of dollars in funding. Well, who stripped it? Was the federal government or was it the education authority? So, for example, the Amouse Amouse College in Vermont South has been forced to increase fees by 7.3% for next year leaving parents scrambling to find an extra $500 for each child to send their child to a private school. Other Victorian schools have hiked their fees as well. De La Salle's up 7.5%, Star of the Sea in, in West Melbourne's up 4.9%, and Santa Maria College in Northcote's up 6%. Now, the Catholic Education Commission in Victoria is blaming the situation on the federal government's Gonski 2.0 funds, funding model, but some parents of the colleges are actually not convinced. Perhaps these parents should be looking at some very interesting figures on the loadings given to systems authorities. The loadings given to system authorities is 1387 million and the total amount of funding distributed to schools for loadings is 1170 million which means that there's 217 million redistributed by system authorities to base funding. That's whatever base funding is I really don't know. That's 134 million but the administrative costs the actual administrative costs for getting the money out to the schools is 83 million. Are you telling me that the bureaucracy that the government gives the money to, which then distributes, is costing the taxpayers 83 million? At least, because there's this other base funding of 134 million. There's a difference of 217 million. But the 1170 million is not really accounted for either. I mean, nothing is really fully accounted for. Uh, because the education department in uh, Canberra either cannot or will not do what they have to do, what their job is, because they are confronted by a state within a state, a bureaucracy, a church bureaucracy, that does what it wishes to with the public funds. This is one of the best arguments against giving state aid to private schools. It's a waste of money. Now, the parents in Catholic schools in Victoria are waking up to what you're saying. Maybe, maybe they've read the report, as you suggested, Jean. Maybe they haven't. But some parents are saying, hang on, how come our, 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 our fees are going up? She says that one parent, uh, Catherine McAlpine, who sits on the school finance committee of one of the schools, um, has actually failed to explain why it has cut money from the school when the overall federal funding for the Catholic sector was actually increased. So what 2.0 does is it gives more money to the Catholic sector than the Catholic sector says, says, just says, we get less, so therefore we have to put our fees up. So there is just this this mix and match, and the parents are getting a bit annoyed because they can see there's more money going in from the federal government because that's what the federal government's doing, but then they're paying extra along the way. And quite frankly, they're saying there's a total lack of transparency. This is the parents in the schools. Miss McAlpine, who has three sons at Amherst College, said the parents had only been given too much notice about the fee increase. She says, do you think, do you have to think it over Christmas and then, then, then you have to do your budgeting? She says, this is all silly. Funding for the school, which is considered to be of medium socioeconomic advantage, will drop by 600000 next year. In a leaked email from the school's board chair and parent, Paul Allen, to federal government MP Julia Banks, said the commission has inflicted fee increases in a manner that was misleading and void of transparency. The parents are arcing up. Federal Education Minister Birmingham said it was just, he was just as confused because he's given them the money. They just haven't passed it on. 
He said the commission was set to receive an extra $93 million for the, from, from the government, an additional $1.1 billion over the next decade. He says the funding increase was above wages and inflation growth. The federal government are giving them ridiculous amounts of money and still they're not passing it on. He says between the Turnbull government's record funding and the fee increases, it begs the question, where is all the money going? This is what the federal education minister is now saying. He said the commission appeared to be jumping the gun on a review of socioeconomic schools that determined funding. Now the principal of this school says, because he's the principal, that Gonski Turnbull will adversely affect his school funding. The Commission receives funding from the Federal Government in a lump sum and then distributes it. Of course, we've, we've mentioned that. Now, the Catholic Education Commission in Victoria Executive Stephen Elder said the Catholic system has been forced to change the way it allocates funds due to the current Turnbull Government's new model. This means that many Catholic schools will experience large cuts in funding, he says in 2018. But why? The money's being given to him. Now, this is Elder. He says that 180 schools will be affected next year. He says the Commission is one of the most transparent school systems, he says. This is Stephen Elder talking about the Catholic school administration in Victoria. He says one of the most transparent school systems and this was recognised in the recent audit by the Australian National Audit Office which we've just read to you which says the complete opposite. Extraordinary. Extraordinary statement. Here you have uh, the, the audit office saying... Yes, these authorities that get block funding, there are six um, extra loadings that they can spend money on. But they're actually spending money on other things too. And two of the things that they're quite unsure about is a thing called interest support and enterprise system technology. Uh, these loadings amount to at least 83 million, remember. Uh, so the administrative costs and the centralised expenditure and what they're actually retaining and not giving out to the schools are a very, very big question in the Auditor General's mind. And they'll have to be a very big question in this new body that Mr Birmingham has set up to look at what is actually happening to the funding. And the Auditor General is saying that the, uh, the, the Education Department in Canberra has got to get its act together to service Mr Birmingham's Resource Standard Committee that he's set up. And admittedly, the people who are on this actual committee are mainly, mainly private school people. But obviously there are problems even within the private sector about what transparency means and even what funding means, whether or not additional funding is additional funding or where the money is going. It's very So we've spoken in detail about what the Catholic schools jumping up and down about, and I think we've established pretty clearly that what they're coming out with in the press is just bollocks. Um, They've got the money. Now, after the break, I'm going to talk about what the balance is between state and public because this Constitution 2.0 is something that needs to be explained in detail. We've set the scene. The independent school system and the systems and all the schools and the Catholic school system are scrambling and lying and telling strange things about where the money goes. But let's pull back out after, after a little bit of music and after a break and we'll discuss exactly what's going on between the three systems as elucidated by Trevor Cobalt. 500 men sack for Union busters are back on the docks, this time a company called ICTSI. A worker has been sacked for standing up to the bosses against bullying and harassment. A community assembly has come together to support the dock workers and have started a 24-hour protest. We are holding the line, but we need your help. Get down to 78 Web Dock Drive, Port Melbourne, and join the Community Assembly at any time of the day or night. For more information and details, call Workers Solidarity on 0401 516 
Program here on 3CR 855 under AM dial. That was Wooden Candle. A little bit of music to calm us down. Before we get stuck into the Gonski 2.0 explainer. Now, as I said, there's various claims about overfunding and underfunding from all, 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 all three sectors. Let's find out exactly what's going on. There's been an FOI request put into the federal government, and the information that's come out of the FOI request contradicts all the claims. All of the claims made by the independent and Catholic school sectors and highlights the inequity that's going to happen and go forward into the state school systems. I quote now from a report on December 11th by Trevor Cobalt. This this is a sort of a simple synopsis of what's going on. The Prime Minister, Mr Turnbull, said the Gonski 2.0 is, and I quote, fair, it's needs-based and it's consistent. However, confidential data released by the Commonwealth Department of Education under FOI contradicts his claim. It shows massive increases in overfunding of private schools by by 2027 and continuing underfunding of public schools. Gonski 2.0 will increase the number of overfunded independent schools and systems from 143 schools this year to 257 next year. The proportion of overfunded will also double from 17% to 32%. By 2027, a total of 531 or 66% of independent schools and systems will be overfunded, and some by very large amounts. Of the increase of 531 overfunded independent schools and systems in 2027, 289 will be newly overfunded as a result of increased Commonwealth funding. That is, they're not overfunded now, but they will be by then. 134 schools and systems that are already overfunded will have their overfunding increased and only 107 will have their overfunding reduced, but still remain overfunded. This massive increase will occur because the Turnbull government is increasing funding for private schools to 80% of their funding entitlements, as measured by their schooling resource standard, the SRS, while many 
are already funded at over 20% with, of their SRS by state and territory governments. For example, here in Victoria, the state government funds 25% of the SRS, added to the 80, makes 105%. Straight up, every single private school in Victoria will be overfunded next year. Every single one, including all of the Catholic schools. All of them. Now, under the full implementation of Gonski 2.0, the independent schools in New South Wales will be up to 107% of their SRS. Western Australia will be 109%. ACT will be 113%. In Victoria, South Australia and the Northern Territory, well, it'll be between 100 and 105%. Gonski 2.0 is the best special deal that independent schools have ever had. It far surpasses the special deals provided by the Howard government back in the 2000s. The overfunding will cost taxpayers millions over the next decade and will divert funds from where they are most needed in state schools. Catholic education authorities have presented a totally misleading picture of their funding under Gonski 2.0. The New Deal ensures that Catholic systemic schools in five states and territories will be funded at or above 100% of the SRS in 2018 and in six by 2027. The schools in the other two will be only slightly below 100%. There is absolutely no case, no case at all, that Catholic schools' funding will be inadequate under Gonski 2.0. Catholic schools will be much better off than public schools. The real complaint is that they didn't get the lavish special deal given to the independent schools. In stark contrast public schools will be significantly underfunded. Gonski 2.0 caps Commonwealth funding the public schools at 20% of their SRS. But state and territory government's funding is well below the 80%, which makes it up to 100. Everywhere, except Western Australia and the ACT. If there's no increase in state territory funding share, public schools in New South Wales will be funded at under 100%. They'll be funded at 91. And in Victoria, they'll be funded at only 86 93 in Queensland, 92 in South Australia, 96 in Tasmania, and only 87 in the Northern Territory. Gonski 2.0 requires state territory governments to contribute at least 75% of SRS to public schools by 2023 as the condition of Commonwealth funding. However, there is no certainty they will be held to this requirement at all. It's still subject to negotiation. Minister of Education, Mr Birmingham, equivocated about enforcing the requirement on the states in certain estimates when he fronted the certain estimates in October this year. Even if the states agree and deliver on the requirement, public schools were operating at 95, not 100%. It is revealing that Turnbull government will not require states and territories to reduce their share of funding of private schools to 20% of their SRS. It is prepared, at least rhetorically, to require that states and territories increase their share of public schools to 75, but they're not demanding that states and territories reduce their funding for the private schools. The states can only fund their public schools properly if they are given back the right to have income tax and GST at the state revenue office level. So basically this whole palaver of whinging from the Catholic school sector has nothing to do with them not having enough money. They've got more than enough by definition. They're complaining because they didn't get as much as the independent schools. It's like two school bullies in the playground fighting over who gets to beat up the poor little state school kid. Anyway, that's the roundup. There's nothing more complicated to it than that. It explains what's going on in terms of all the news. And from our point of view, it's disgusting. From our point of view, this is back to square one. From our point of view, the fight must continue. Anyway, I'll be just finishing off the program with the happy news because we're going to do state schools or grade schools now after these messages. The years, teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. The proud product of a government-funded primary school education and a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disabilities miss out. Our education is 
You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Welcome back to The Dogs Program. State schools are great schools. Oh, yes, they are. I'm going to talk about Temple State College. Temple State College is an interesting place. It's in, it's in Lower Temple State down there. And back in 2008, it was an interesting place. So I had about three, 400 kids. Most of them were stinking rich. It's a state school because that's just the demographic of the area and their results were rubbish. I'll say that again. State school, small, kids are stinking rich and, quite frankly, um, their results were rubbish. Below average for a similar socioeconomic status actually below average for the median for all schools. That was back in 2009. That's right. Uh, 97% of the kids back in 2009 were from either the top or the upper middle quartile. 61% were from the top quartile. The school had in total about 380 kids in it. This is back in 2009. And if you look at their results, um, the year, in year 9 it was all below average against similar schools. Year 7 things were all right, but in year 9 not so good. So what happened? 2016, 2017, we've moved up to now. They had a complete revamp. Had a complete revamp of the school and explain what they did. Because some people say, oh, state schools, they're all the same. You know, there's no innovation. I want to send my child to an independent school where they can do things differently. Um, And implying that all state schools are exactly the same and they don't do things differently. Um, Temple Stowe College is the state school that proves, (laughs) proves them completely wrong. Because the Temple State College, not only have they succeeded, but they created a model that other schools are now copying. Bandura College, in particular, has copied the Temple State model. What they've done is they've got a dynamic and caring learning community which recognise the future focus and personalised learning. Okay, they're guided by a strategic plan and they've successfully implemented a range of new programs. These have included a vertical house system which allows students to select their own learning mentor. So the students select their primary teacher. They roll out new elective programs all the way from 7 to 12 and label students from year 7 to select 30% of what they study, including netbook computers from year 7 to 10, a range of software applications which assist. With, so they're using technology, they're using choice, they're using autonomy. There are three differentiated learning streams, direct instruction, collaborative learning and independent accelerated learning based on each student's preferred learning style and it's focused on personalised learning. Now they have VCE but they also have VCAL and they've got 30 VET subjects as well as VCE subjects in the school. So VET's not hidden in a corner, it's it's up front in terms of what these kids want to do. There's new procedures for monitoring students' academic performance and conduct and attendance has been implemented by the school as well. Now this is amazingly diverse because they actually have 50 international students from nine countries each year who come into the school and they have 15 students who they actively encourage who have disabilities. And this is all done with 40 teachers. Three, three people, like there's two vice principals and a principal, okay, and um, an extra 25 part-time teachers and an extra 15 support staff. Now, in 2016, this school has 800 kids in it. It's still stinking rich, <laughs> except now there's about, 20, about, a, about a quarter of the students are from the lowest quartiles. So about 75% are from the richest kids. So what kind of results are they getting now in 2016? Because they're well below average in 2009. Now, it's all going great guns in year seven. Really strong programs. Well above the average for all schools, and actually sometimes above the average for similar schools with similar socioeconomic statuses. I've turned it around by creating a sense of choice for the students. The opposite, I think, of what many people think a standard state school is. They've looked at the demographics of the school and they've turned it around. Doubling enrolments in about four or five years, which is what they've done, because even in 2011, things were going very, very bad. In fact, they were well below all other similar schools and all, and all other... All other... All other... Um, all other schools and in fact they were down to under 300 kids in 2011 
in the school. And now it's up to 800. So between 2011 and now, they've completely turned the school, school around by being active, proactive, inviting VET and VCE to work together, vertically integrating. And imagine this. Imagine as a kid choosing, after, after some time in school, choosing who it is that you want to be your homeroom teacher. Choose your own mentor. Someone who knows you, someone who cares about you, someone who you can keep with you all through your school life. Interesting process they're doing out there. And I congratulate them at Temple State College because they've got the results, which are now being copied in other state schools who have similar demographics. Absolutely fascinating. So the state great school today is Temple Stowe College. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State schools school are great schools. Absolutely. State schools are great schools. You've been listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. It's been Gene and myself in the studio. Gene's back from holidays. Um, look, we'll be back again next week because we need to. The fight needs to continue. As Trevor Cabell will say, the fight is long but hope is, hope is stronger. And we have a hope for change in the future, of course. If you're interested in what we've been talking about here on the Dogs Program, you are most welcome to check us out on our website at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. But until next week, when we've got some more explaining to do with news reviews and interviews relating to educational issues in Australia, from here from the Dogs, the Defenders of Government Schools, it's bye for now. I dreamed I saw Joe here last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead I never died, says he I never died, says he In Salt Lake City, Joe, says I Him standing by my bed They framed you on a murder charge Says Joe, but I ain't dead Says Joe, but I ain't dead And standing there as big as life And smiling with his eyes Says Joe, what they can never kill Went on to organize Went on to organize From San Diego up to Maine In every mine and mill Where working men defend their rights It's there you'll find Joe Hill It's there you'll find Joe Hill You're listening to 3CR Radio In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3CR.org. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. It's that time of year we once again are selling two delicious wines generously donated by local winemaking star and 3CR supporter Luke Lambert. At $17.50, these wines are a super bargain, labelled especially for us, and they're even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR at those summer festivities. Give us a call on 9419 to order. Or you can go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop.
Wines are available for collection from 3CR up until December 22. Ain't no mountain high enough to keep me from them. <laughs> 